Welcome to the Super Bowl edition of Sunshine State Takes. I'm Brandon Carroll, along with Matt McConnell. We're excited for a big game coming up. we got a big show. We're going to break down a lot of stuff for you today. Uh, you got anything? Absolutely. A bunch of topics from the NFL. Uh, you know, talking about Eli Manning as he uh, gets on his trek to the Hall of Fame or not. Uh, just some different things that we've seen from the season, Super Bowl moments, all of the, all of the above. So stay tuned as we get into it. And we might have a special surprise for you guys if you guys are ready for it. So... Let's get it. going on guys it's saturday it's cold outside it's been a cold week all week but that's all right because we're inside we got the mic we got the computers we got the notes in front of us and we're ready to break down the game and we do have a surprise uh we'd like to welcome our first ever guest on sunshine state takes davis white what's going on davis uh i'm really uh, thankful to be out here honestly because i've been uh watching and or actually i've been listening to y'all's uh podcast and i have enjoyed it a lot Pretty good podcast. I've gotten some pretty good. Um, shoot, I totally lost it. I was about to say. No, it's okay. You got some pretty good tidbits from what we've been saying, so it's all good. We're just going to keep it rolling. You know, it's his first time. We're going to give him a little bit of slack on that one. He'll get better as we go on. But starting on this show off on a serious note, um, we haven't recorded in over oh, – it's been over a week. Um, and since then, there's been some uh, occurrences um, – mainly the one of Kobe Bryant, um, his daughter Gianna, and uh, the other others involved in the helicopter accident in uh, Southern California. It's a sad time for uh, basketball fans and really just uh, people in general. Uh, Kobe was a role model for many, especially including people like us in this generation who grew up watching him play basketball. Uh, it was a tough loss. I think it really pulled on a, all of our heartstrings. Uh, you know, Kobe – even off the court, that was when he really started to thrive. He had so much more left for him. Same with his daughter. His daughter was gonna, who was an upcoming basketball player. She, uh, you know, she was the world to Kobe um, and his mom or her mom and everything like that. But you know, uh, things like this happen. It's 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 honestly a tragedy. And um, the one thing we can take away from what Kobe left us with is the fact that. Um, we only need to strive to be better today than we were our last. Uh, it can be a difficult time to cope in this. And I just um, hope to give out my thoughts and prayers to Vanessa Bryant and uh, his children that he left behind and those, um, you know, surrounding him, those who have ever come in contact with him, even those that haven't come in contact with them that really just looked up to him as a role model, not just in the NBA, but uh, in life in general. So, um, Matt, do you have anything to say about that? Um, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Uh, the news, uh, I still don't fully know if it's sunk in yet. It's kind of just a crazy thing to be scrolling through Twitter and then see that headline pop up. I almost wasn't even sure whether or not I believed it at first because I always find TMZ to be a little sketchy. But, you know, it was 
it was true. And uh, Sunday was certainly a tough day, as was most of the week, because after a couple days is when I started pulling up the highlights and kind of just looking back on it. And uh, it's it's such a shame that we had to lose such a great one. Yeah. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's absolutely a tragedy. He had so much more life to live. Um, you know, he was really giving to those off the court. Uh, you know, his daughter is fully involved, being probably one of the best dads we've seen in quite some time. And just to have him go the way he did was um, not the way we thought he would go. Uh, this is honestly something we haven't seen happen in a long, long time. Uh, it's a struggle for many. You know, I, I've kind of struggled myself with it just because I'll be chilling in bed or, uh, you know, just walking throughout my day. And I just think, dang, Kobe's gone. Like, yeah, that, exactly. like it's just it's just something that you, you don't really come to the realization. Uh, you continue to kind of think about it. But as we move on, we just want to, you know, send our thoughts and prayers to Vanessa, like I said, and his family, and also just um, do our part in carrying on Kobe's legacy, even though we, we, we're not even in the right position to do that since we never met him or never talked to him or anything like that. But um, just rest in peace, Mamba. Mamba forever. And as we get into the show, we're going to leave you with a 24.2 second of silence. So thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody. Kobe, 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 Kobe. Thank you guys for that little bit of silence we just went through. But uh, we're really going to get back into the purpose of this show, which is the Super Bowl preview. We're going through some NFL topics. We're making this what is probably going to be our last NFL show for quite some time until, uh, honestly, the NFL draft. We're going to have to start getting back, maybe even free agency, but stuff like that. But for now, um, we're going to talk about Eli Manning and uh, the, whether he is a Hall of Famer or not. So, Davis, what do you think? Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Um, in my opinion, I personally think that Eli is a Hall of Famer. He has 57,023 yards for passing, 366 pass TDs. He's a four-time Pro Bowler, and he's a two-time Super Bowl champ. And I think that's something not too many like Hall of Fame quarterbacks even have, like if you look at Aaron Rodgers, he he's not like winning all these Super Bowls. Like he has some pretty crazy plays, but he doesn't have two Super Bowls. Um, if you look at other quarterbacks, like some some really good quarterbacks don't even have a single Super Bowl in their record right now. So I think Eli Manning should be a Hall of Fame quarterback. What do you think, Matt? Um, well. Personally, like I spent, I spent a good amount of time looking through pro or uh, pro football reference, uh, kind of just looking at his stats and kind of putting it hand in hand with uh, his actual career based on moments. And I don't think he should be a Hall of Famer, but with that being said, I do think he is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Part of that I think has to do with his last name, uh, but just for a couple reasons why I don't think he should. First off, his career passer rating was only an eighty-four point one, and I know he was in the league for a solid 15 years. So, you know, there's a lot of balls that can bounce other ways and stuff like that. But all in all, that just isn't a great passer rating to me. I mean, you have guys like Aaron Rodgers and 
I know Aaron Rodgers for sure, at least will probably finish his career with an upwards of a hundred passer rating uh, guys like Russell Wilson, barring a huge drop off will too. Uh, the thing I really wanted to do the deepest dive into when it came to Eli Manning's career were his two Super Bowl runs, because that's what it seems like he gets a lot of credit for. And so I looked into them and in eight playoff wins, because uh, his eight playoff wins came within the two years he won his two Super Bowls. In eight playoff wins, his defense gave up an average of 15 points per game. And, like, honestly, like, the margin for error is very large there when it comes to Eli Manning. And, I mean, you look at it, they scored less than 24 points in every game except for one in those eight playoff games. I mean, he didn't have to do a whole lot. Now, granted, that throw to Manningham is an all-time great throw. The helmet catch is an all-time great throw. He's had all-time great moments, but all in all, his career, uh, I, I, there there have been more moments in his career where he's been really bad than he's been really good. Um, for an example of that, he has three seasons with 20-plus interceptions. So I don't think he should be a Hall of Famer. I just don't think there's been enough consistent production compared to other quarterbacks that are in there. Um but when it's all said and done, I just have a feeling that he probably will get in. Uh, uh, yeah, I can agree with that. Um, you know, it, it's a difficult question asking whether he should be a Hall of Famer or not. Uh, you know, he, he had some good moments. He uh, had some bad moments as well. Um, does he get in? Yes. Why? In my opinion, it's the last name yeah, in two I, Super I Bowl wins. The same thing. It's, uh, you know, it, that Manning name carries weight throughout the entire NFL. But does he really deserve to be in? Heck no, he does not. Okay, over his career, he has a 60.3% completion percentage. I'll give it that he has a 57,023 yards, 366 touchdowns. But over his career, he had a exactly 500 win percent or exactly 500 win loss ratio at 117 and 117. So if you take those games and you multi- and you divide those numbers that I just read off by those games, he averaged 241 yards per game in the air and one and a half touchdowns. I just don't think that is um, that that's qualifies as a hall of famer. Cause if you look at the purpose of being in the hall of fame, all right, you're supposed to pick out exactly what uh, you know, co- their career over a longevity. You're supposed to look out, look at all the things they did during their time uh, at, in the NFL as a whole. It's not, you pick and choose what you want to believe, what you, uh, you know, they're good moments. You don't take that out. Okay. Um, obviously in the Super Bowls that he did win, he played pretty well. Um, 2008, he went 19 for 34, which is only 55%. Um, but he had 255 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. And he had that MVP moment, uh, you know, over es- es- escaping the pocket, being able to dish it over the middle to David Tyree. But other than that, I didn't really see much he did in that game that really just popped off the page to me. I mean, the defense – a historically good defense held the, the like a, a dominant Patriots team. We, we can all agree that that team was dominant. 18-0 coming into the game. The Giants had lost to them earlier in the regular season, and they held them to 10 points. And Just to know, touch on that, I think Super Bowl Forty Two definitely was more about Michael Strahan bullying Tom Brady yeah, than it was about Eli Manning absolutely. putting on a Hall of Fame performance. I mean, just breaking down the helmet catch in general, it's David Tyree making an impressive catch on Rodney Harrison, who was one of the best safeties we'd seen in the league at that time. But that was just a quick thought I wanted to put on that. Yeah, absolutely. And they only scored 17 points in that game, and they won. Uh, 2012, he had a little bit better performance going 30 for 40, uh, which is 75%, 296 yards, 
but he only accounted for 33% of their of their points, okay? So they had 21 points. He had scored one touchdown in that game. He had 103.7 QBR, which is which is pretty good, but you know, I'm not trying to deny in the games that he did play in that in the, you know, his playoff runs that he played well, but he exited the first round in the playoffs four times. He has a 500 500% or no. It, it, I don't know how to say it, but he has a 0.500 uh, win-loss percentage. And, you know, the teams he did ride off of, he didn't play that great in the regular season in general. It was his defense that got him there. Uh, he, I, You know, I can't, I can't deny those. he had some pretty solid playoff runs, um, the two in his career. Once he got past the first round, he was winning Super Bowls. But other than that – He could never get past the first round. He can't get past the first round. Time. The Pro Football Hall of Fame's purpose is to reward players based off their careers as a whole. So when you ask me, is the two Super Bowl MVPs in those rings really that impressive to be able to say he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time, put him in the Hall of Fame? I just don't think you can say that, and therefore Eli Manning is not a Hall of Famer. Uh, The one thing I will say in Eli Manning's defense in 2016 when they made the playoffs – his whole wide receiver core did go party in Miami a few days before the game. And I think that kind of showed a bit, but overall, like, yeah, I, I don't see it. And I don't, I don't want to sound like, like the butthurt Patriots fan, you know, because the giants beat my team twice in the super bowl. But I mean, even, even if I was being that way, that's only two games anyways. I mean, if we're looking at it, even just like the past three years, he's played like, garbage for the most part he hasn't been great and he's had guys like Odell Beckham and Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley he's he's had a pretty good supporting cast and he's been garbage I I think I'm going to use the the word garbage to describe at least his past few years playing I mean I don't even he's not even 40 years old yet and like guys like Drew Brees and Tom Brady are still going to be kicking at 41 42 I mean I, I also think how you perform at an older age has a lot to do with it and that aspect hasn't been there either. Absolutely. And, you know, the craziest thing is going into the Super Bowl in February 2012, he had a record of 78 and 57. So we saw how steep that decline as he ends yeah. at 117 and 117. Um, it, it, he, in his 16 years, he only took the Giants to the playoffs only six times. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had that uh, controversy on draft night, not wanting to go to the Chargers and stuff like that. I just think, uh, you know, he has been – a bit iffy over his career. He's been really, uh, he's had good moments, bad moments. And I just think the bad outweighs the good in this situation. And ultimately, ultimately that leads to me not putting him in the hall of fame, but I don't have a vote. Manning will get him in. So that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. So I I think the overall uh, consensus here is that we do think he's going to get in. Uh, Granted, we don't necessarily think he deserves it. Do you think he deserves yeah. it, Davis? I don't think he deserves it. Like, yes, he's won Super Bowls, and that's not anything that a lot of quarterbacks are able to do. But other than that, like, the past couple of years, his team hasn't performed well. He's been performing bad. Like, they're bringing in guys like Daniel Jones, who isn't a stud quarterback, and he's a rookie starting over Eli Manning, and I think you got to look at that, like, this is a young quarterback, rookie, first year into the league, and you have a guy who's won a couple, or yeah, a couple of Super Bowls, and you're having a rookie start over him. I just don't think like he really deserves it. Like if that's the case, in my opinion. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And the craziest thing about it is, you see Eli, and I just, 
I don't understand the whole talk about it. Because if you're talking about just because he wins Super Bowls, he does he belongs in it. Well, put Nick Foles in. Look what he yeah. did in the playoffs. Look at look at his postseason success. Why aren't we talking about that? Why isn't he considered a um, Why isn't he considered a Hall of Famer? It's because every other time he steps on the field, other than the postseason, he's been lousy. He hasn't performed. We saw it this year in Jacksonville, that's for sure. When he was around a good team in Philadelphia, we saw him be able to kind of put up some uh, numbers late in the season. But early in the season when Carson Wentz was hurt, Nick Foles was not putting up any points. He was he just was playing mediocre at best. And I think that's what Eli's done for the majority of his career. I totally agree with that. Yeah, um, and uh, not to get too much on Foles. Foles has, a, Foles has had a bit of a weird career because at one point he did put up 27 touchdowns and two interceptions yeah. in a season. Yeah. It's really more so with Foles is when he's not in Philadelphia, he's not a good quarterback. Yeah. But that's a bit besides the point. Uh, Eli Manning, you suck. Not actually, but um, we don't think. No, we're not trying. I'm not. Yeah. Try, I'm not in any means trying to say Eli Manning is trash or anything like that. I just don't believe his career amounts to being put in probably one of the most prestigious places in Canton. Uh, you know, in sports, which is yeah, which right. is Canton. Um, it, 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 you can't do it. And uh, him getting benched for Geno Smith doesn't help his case. Yeah, just for him to come back in later in the game. After, you know, not getting to carry on. One thing I will say about Eli Manning, the dude has been durable. Yeah. The dude has been durable. He's not started two games in his career. Two. That's it. Right. Well, outside of uh Well the, the ones that he's played this in. Year. The ones that he's played in. He yes. hasn't started two games. Yeah. Um the one thing I wrote down with Eli Manning is uh he only has two seasons where he hasn't thrown double digit interceptions. And those came in 2004 and uh, 2019. Those are also the only two seasons he didn't start at least 15 games. So, I mean, the dude has been known to be a turnover machine at some point. Um, but I think we've uh, covered the Eli Manning topic as well as we'd like to. I think next we're going to get into the big game, but not the big game coming up tomorrow. We're going to get into the best moments of the big game in recent memory. Uh, so who wants to go ahead and kick us off here? You want to go ahead and get this started, Brandon, with our top three Super Bowl moments? Uh, yes, I will definitely go ahead and kick us off here. Uh, you know, it's been – since I've been alive, the Super Bowls have been pretty solid. Uh, you know, outside of the few like last year, I've, I've seen some pretty good Super Bowls over my time. So I just uh, wanted to point out that these are all based off games I have seen in my lifetime. We're not talking about, you know, the catch. Um, We're not talking about anything that happened in the 90s or anything like that. I'm talking about strictly things that I have witnessed in my lifetime that I also can remember. So um, we're going to kick us off. So I'm someone that uh, when I start, I started liking football at an early age. Uh, I started to really pay attention to it, really got into it deeply and um, the crazy thing about it was in 2007, I was six years old when the, the Super Bowl was kicking off. It was February 5th, I think, of 2007. And, uh, you know, I'm really starting to get into it. I'm watching the Indianapolis Colts, who just absolutely obliterated my Jaguars every time they played uh, in recent memory. And so um, I'm watching the Bears and, you know. Rex Grossman. Rex Grossman and everything like that, just going out and, uh, you know, opening kickoff, okay. Devin Hester taking it that, to the house to energize that crowd, you know, gets – I, I thought that was absolutely that, – that's probably one of my favorite moments of the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm going to have to say it right there. Just because, you know, I, I love special teams in the Super Bowl. If I can see the special teams score just a little bit, I'm going to be intrigued by it. But 
Devin Hester in his rookie year really cemented his legacy by taking that one house in it. Um, you know, Indy had struggled that year with uh, special teams and Hester made them pay. But at the end of the game, it was uh, outside of that, that game was kind of sloppy. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was played was, in a rainstorm. Yeah, it was a it was rainstorm, kind of sloppy. wasn't that great. That was before but, they put the whatever roof they have over Hard Rock Stadium. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was it was a bit difficult. I, wasn't that, Was that the last time the Super Bowl was in Miami? Or was no, 44, 44 when the Saints okay. played the Colts. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think it's been there since then. Though. Yeah, but okay, yeah, but anyways, right. it's a, it's been pretty. Uh, it, I thought that was a really good, just way to start it out. That really energize cool the crowd and everything like that. I, I also think it's the only opening kickoff return. Yeah, I, 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 I think so too. I know, um, which is um, going to be an honorable mention of mine later. I know uh, Seattle in the second half of a game right. returned it with uh, someone that I will mention later. Yeah. But uh, do you, what's yours, Davis? What do you think? Um, so one of mine is actually, I crossed it out, but now that I'm thinking about it, it's actually going to be more of a game than a Super Bowl moment. And it's, in my opinion, it's honestly an underrated game. And it's going to be the Ravens versus the 49ers when Colin Kaepernick and Joe Flacco were both on the teams, Harbaugh versus Harbaugh. And I think it's honestly a very underrated game because Baltimore came out and they were smoking the 49ers and this was a game that looked like it was going to be 49ers uh, or uh, Ravens were going to just manhandle them. It was going to be a blowout. Like they, uh, the Ravens were up 21 to six at halftime out, out of coming out of the tunnel in the second half. Uh, the 49ers outscored 17 to seven to make this a closer game. Like, and then in the fourth quarter, they put up eight points against Baltimore's six points. They came a little short by losing 34-31, but I think that's honestly a very underrated Super Bowl game, in my opinion. Colin Kaepernick had a pretty big game. He, uh, I believe he threw around 300. I know he threw over 300 yards, if I remember correctly, and I just thought that was a pretty good Super Bowl, in my opinion. We saw the lights go out at For halftime. Sure, yeah, the lights out. Well, and, that's uh, the biggest. You, you mentioned Percy Harvin returning the second half kickoff. Jacoby yeah. Jones broke one in yeah, that game. Yeah, yeah. Half it was it was 109, 108 yards, something like that. I think it was the longest touchdown we've ever seen in a Super Bowl. And also, I think that was one of Randy Moss's last games. He actually played in that one. Kaepernick went to him on a two point conversion. I think. I think he also went to him on a fourth and goal. That was, that was actually. I honestly agree with that being an underrated Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, that's very. I don't think that one. I, I remember watching that one. That was a very entertaining. Joe Flacco game. had a very big day, and he's kind of been I, I, that terrible. Was, Joe, Joe Flacco sold his soul to the devil to win Super Bowl Forty Seven. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get into my number three once again. Kind of relating to Davis. This is more so like a game in general than it is a moment, and this is. Uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger and Kurt Warner dealing uh, doing it out in Super Bowl 43. And if it wasn't for me being a Patriots fan, this would be the greatest Super Bowl ever. And I just don't understand how it can't be. I mean, this had James Harrison take a pick 99 yards to the house. It had Larry Fitzgerald put a team on his back. It had Big Ben going to San Antonio Holmes late on a touchdown that's still debated to this day. I mean, what more could you what more could you have asked uh, from this game? And uh, the moment that really puts this game on the top of my list for me isn't even the Santonio San Holmes catch, but it's when Larry Fitzgerald broke away for that big 60 yard go ahead touchdown. That's just when you knew this game was in for a crazy ending. And uh, I don't know. I, I just really enjoyed this game. It's one of the Super Bowls I love the most to go back and watch highlights of just because 
I mean, A, it's the Cardinals in a Super Bowl. That's not something you don't see very often. It's, uh, you know, the, the veteran Kurt Warner versus the still pretty young at the time, Ben Roethlisberger. And I thought uh, the teams matched up very well with each other and it created for one of the better Super Bowls that we've seen. Yeah, I can 100% agree with that. And uh, I might that one of those plays might make an appearance on my list a little bit mm-hmm. later on. But getting into my second overall one, as much as I hate to say it, Malcolm Butler's interception on the goal line was pretty spectacular. And as being a person that, as much as I don't like the Patriots, as much as they continue to win, well, not this year, but as much as they continue to win over the years, I can finally say that I appreciate greatness when I see it. Um, I've kind of turned the corner, as many as you know, about uh, Tom Brady in recent months, I would say. But... um, this, this play was spectacular because if you really think about it, the situational awareness of Malcolm Butler, seeing exactly what they've been practicing all uh, you know, uh, leading up to this game, um, the game was in Seattle's hands. They had that chance to be able to take the go-ahead score late, um, but someone had to make a play. Butler was able to jump in front of the ball from Russell, Russell Wilson, uh, and you know, as much as I you know, said I like Tom, he, he reaped the rewards once again of someone bailing him out in the Super Bowl. Um, so all I have to say to that is run the dang ball, Pete. We would have five Super Bowl rings instead of six. And but yeah, it it, it was it, it was rough. We would have five instead of six. Darn. <laughs> hey, I don't care. Six because okay, if you think about it, six is a that he has to go to a different finger. Yeah. <laughs> like or a different hand in general. Like I just don't. But yeah, I I, I think Seattle had that game one, but um, choosing to. Let his pass aside him, as I talked about before, uh, USC, letting Pete's pass uh, kind of creep back up on him there, not giving it to Marshawn. Malcolm Butler was able to jump in front for what we still recognize as one of the best Super Bowl moments all time. Uh, Something I just want to touch on pretty quickly. You know, we were talking about Brady having five instead of six. Uh, I actually think about this sometimes because prior to that Super Bowl, uh, the past two he had played in, he'd he'd lost to the Giants both times, and they both come on kind of heartbreaking last-minute drives and kind of big catches kind of plagued the Patriots in those games. Well, uh, Brady led the 10-point comeback in the fourth quarter of that game, and then Jermaine Curse makes the circus catch. It would have been three straight Super Bowls the Patriots lost on kind of ridiculous catches, and it honestly probably would have changed the way that everything gets looked at when it comes to them, but uh, Butler was able to be there and save the day. I, like It's honestly a monumental play in terms of how – I feel like the entire Patriots dynasty yeah. is looked at. Like yeah. he didn't just save that Super Bowl; he kind of saved a run of dominance that was kind of losing some steam. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. Uh, not to mention the Falcons just absolutely falling apart in the yeah. set in the pretty much fourth quarter. Honestly, right. like it, it just absolutely putting on a crap show after going up twenty-eight to three. Well, but we'll, we'll get into that one in a second. We'll get into that one in a second. But so, Davis, what is your second all-time um, Super Bowl moment? This one's honestly a tough one because I have two that are, in my opinion, pretty good. But for my second, I'm honestly going to do the Philly special because that's a play that, like, you don't really see trick plays nowadays in the NFL. Like, you see them every now and then. But especially in the Super Bowl when the game is basically on the line, they're on, like, the two- or three-yard line. I don't even remember. They they direct snap to the running back pitches it to Trey Burton, Trey Burton, Gator baby, throws it to Nick Foles. Nick Foles scores that touchdown. And I just think it's an amazing play because that play, if 
if you go back in time when Florida played Michigan in the in a bowl game a couple years ago in Camping World Stadium, Florida did the exact same play, and I think they honestly got it from Florida. With Antonio Callaway? Yes. Yeah. Antonio Callaway, baby. But I personally we ended up losing that game by like forty. Yeah, so. yeah it, was, it was a horrible <laughs> game. But I, I personally think like that's honestly a really big Super Bowl, especially Nick Foles being a backup like 90% of his career coming out red hot again in the playoffs. And then against one of the greatest dynasties, yeah. the, the, here, I'm going to mark it the greatest dynasty of all time for sure. And then like, you're welcome, man. If we ever, if we ever argue, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. No, I, I, I I'm going to say it. I'll be like, Hey, remember when you said that? <laughs> Foles just coming out hot. Obviously Carson Wentz. I think he's on a pretty, pretty good quarterback. Obviously, He's not a Mahomes, but John Brown has more career touchdown <laughs> passes than Carson Wentz. <laughs> but uh, I think Nick Foles coming into a Super Bowl and all the pressures on the line, they run that play, score a touchdown, and then you see the Patriots do a similar play to Brady in that game, and Brady <laughs> dropping dropping it. That just shows how athletic Nick Foles is. He had to a catch cut on a his touchdown. hand. He had a cut on yeah, his hand. He hurt himself earlier <laughs> in the week. He had to cut his. Uh, yeah, he, he should have called that. <laughs> but I also think like it was pretty cool to see a former Gator throw a Trey Burton throw a touchdown in the Super Bowl. The craziest thing is he came into Florida as a as a uh, actual quarterback out of high school. Um, Trey Burton, Trey Burton yeah. did, and he made the transition. Under Meyer, yeah, he made the transition to tight end um, quickly after. And the craziest thing about it was he wasn't even really used as a solid tight end. He was more used as like a position player that could kind of play everywhere. And uh, he actually had sort of like a taste of hell. Yeah, he had about I think it was five touchdowns against Kentucky one year, which was crazy. But yeah, just seeing that was a pretty cool moment. I can agree with you about that. But Matt, what is your number two on the list? Um, what do you have for this? I don't know if my number two is going to shock you, uh, because it's something that you could probably easily imagine me putting at number one. But it's it's the Patriots comeback versus the Falcons in Super Bowl Fifty One, and this game was honestly just a roller coaster of emotions. I mean. Uh, there was a moment early on in the game where it looked like Chris Long had strip sacked Matt Ryan for a touchdown and the Patriots had gone up early, but, uh, you know, Matt Ryan was ruled down and then the Falcons go on a tear. They go up 14, nothing. Uh, Brady throws the pick six after kind of leading the team down the field. At that point, it was kind of just like, Oh wow. Like, wow. That's the only word I have to say is wow. Like this is going to be Bronco Seahawks part two. Uh, we got the field goal before the half and then, Taylor Gabriel puts Malcolm Butler on ice skates. The Falcons are up 28-3. The Patriots get a touchdown on the board. And then I think they have another drive. They go down, get a field goal. It's 28-12. And if there is any moment I want to highlight in this game specifically, it's the one I'm about to bring up. And it's a third and one from the Falcons' side of the field. Dante Dante Hightower strip sacks Matt Ryan. Joe Buck calls, this is a fumble. And the Patriots (laughs) have it. And at that point right there, I was like, all right, like, like no one in this room wants to admit it, but the Patriots are about to win this game. And then it was 28, 20. Um, the Falcons go down. Julio Jones makes that ridiculous catch, but somehow they blow it. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. I'm, I don't I have any, I have no complaints with how Kyle Shanahan called that drive. Um, Brady gets the ball down 28, 20 with three minutes, marches them down, including a beautiful catch by Edelman bobbled off the ground. The game goes into overtime. New England wins it. Um, it was 
probably one of my favorite games ever. Uh, yeah. It was just a roller coaster of emotions, and honestly, it sometimes still has me in utter disbelief of what happened. Yeah, no, that was definitely a crazy situation, a crazy game in general. Um, but getting into my number one overall, um, before I do that, I'm going to you know throw out my honorable mention I mentioned earlier. Percy Harvin taking back the second half kickoff for Seattle and what really sealed the deal for Seattle against Denver. Um, you know, just growing up watching him play at Florida, I was always really, you know, I looked up to him, honestly, and uh, just seeing my dog Percy take it back to the house, I was pretty excited. But um, the best Super Bowl moment, in my opinion, would be the San Antonio Holmes catch on mm-hmm. the sideline against the Cardinals. I mean, it's solely my guy, Larry Fitzgerald's ring, but, you know, it, it's just too, it's too great to go unnoticed. And, uh, you know, with the game on the line, he was able to extend – um, you know, took a lick from the DB trying to force him out and was still able to hold it, hold on to it. Like you said, it's a bit debated. Uh, I watched it a few times yesterday just to really, because before I wanted to really talk about it, I wanted to see if it was actually, you know, if they blew it or not. And I think that they got it 100% right. He, his feet were down. Uh, he had control of the ball. And that was when, that was really when the catch, uh, the whole fiasco really started to come about, whether it was a catch or not. But, um, yeah, just San Antonio Holmes is just spectacular. After that, we didn't really hear much from him, but it was crazy for sure. So, Davis, what's your moment? Uh, this is going to shock some people, honestly. But Broncos, Seattle, first play of the game. Peyton Manning's trying to call an audible. Goes straight over his head. Safety is the quickest point in Super Bowl history. That may have changed now, but, like, Everyone coming into this game, both teams were outstanding throughout the regular season. Peyton Manning, an amazing quarterback. Russell Wilson, amazing quarterback. Seattle, probably one of the best defenses in the league. Denver, probably one of the best offenses in the league that year. Um, I think it was best versus wor- or best. Versus best. So I think was. Denver was the best offense. Yeah. Seattle was the yeah. best defense. That was Peyton Manning's 55 touchdown yeah. season. That, and, was, that was when he went off. And it was just a spectacular like, – Everyone thought this was going to be such a good game, and like that first play of the game honestly set the tone of this whole game for the right. Broncos. Like they just laid an egg. They scored eight points, and they didn't even score their first touchdown until the third quarter. The Seahawks just blew them out the whole game. Um, Percy Harvin he did have that eighty-seven yard kick return coming out of the second half. Incredible run by him, honestly. His speed is just so unreal. But that's my number one. Yeah. Matt, what about Um, you? Yeah, just to wrap this up real quick, my number one is the Malcolm Butler interception. I I just don't think there's any crazier play ever than that. Everything on the line, you have a dying dynasty going up against an up-and-coming one or a potential up-and-coming one against Seattle, and it came down to the one-yard line. And it was the undrafted rookie out of West Alabama that saved it for New England. I just, you know, along with the comeback versus the Falcons, I just don't think it's something I'll ever forget. And just that game in general, Super Forty, Super Bowl Forty Nine was uh, a classic. So um, those are my moments. Uh, Forty three, fifty one, forty nine. Those are the three Super Bowls that I think have been the best. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, fifty four brings us some pretty good ones too. Yeah, I'm hoping fifty four does as well. Um, but, yeah, that, that game, it, it, the implications that it really had, because if you look back at it, Seattle was definitely on the come up. Imagine how different the NFL would be if they were able to take down the Patriots mm-hmm. and yet another Super Bowl, like you said, their third straight loss in the Super Bowl. And to have Seattle 
come out and get that win to give Russell his two rings, give Pete his two rings, and see that uh, Seattle dynasty you kind of talked about kind of start to rise up. Uh, instead, we saw that kind of get cut off and the Patriots start to take over. And it would have been beating Manning and Brady in back-to-back exactly. years, so it would have been like no quarterback stands a chance against Seattle. Yeah, but as we wrap up, we're going to get into our next segment, which is the start of the 100th season. We're going to look back at it, and we'll get right back into you after this break. Let's get it. So taking a look back at the 100th NFL season, we're going to go through somewhat some of what we think is uh, you know the best moments from this season. But we're going to go best game, MVP, best catch, best run, favorite play, and end it with coach of the year before we get into our actual Super Bowl breakdown. The big game coming up tomorrow at 6.30. But Davis, what do you think was the best game of this season? Um, I have two games. Uh, I'm going to start off with the Saints and 49ers. It was a back-to-back game. Saints Saints were up 27-14 in the second half. 49ers come back to take the lead going into halftime. It was a back-and-forth game the whole game. Uh, 49ers took the lead in the third quarter. It was back-and-forth back in the fourth quarter. And then 49ers, Jimmy G carries his team. They uh, kick a game-winning field goal. They had 53 seconds to get into field goal range, and Robbie Gold just kicks it through to win the game in New Orleans, which is not an easy place to play, obviously. And they were red hot. Uh, the uh, Saints were red hot. So I think that was a one of my best games of the year. What are you thinking, Matt? What do you have um, as your – I want to start off with an honorable mention. I have penciled down two. My honorable mention is the Titans and Chiefs in Week 10. That was a good game. Uh, that was the emergence of MVP Ryan Tannehill, uh, who – You I just will, gave away I your next thing. I've been you giving it away it. the whole show. <laughs> and every day on Twitter. But that's besides the point. Um, uh, no, overall, that was just a good game. It was Mahomes' first game off of that uh, knee injury he had or ankle injury, whichever one it was. Uh, he had a good game. Tannehill responded. He led a game-winning drive to Adam Humphreys. The Titans, that was a big win for the Titans because they were 4-5 and five and it got them to 500 and kind of really sparked their magical run that they ended up going on. Um, that was a really good game. My game of the year includes the Saints, but it wasn't the Saints 49ers. I'm actually going with the Vikings-Saints wildcard game. And I, I put this as my favorite game of the year because it's the only game that I watched this year that I can think of that – I was as engaged in as I would be a Patriots game. And part of that was because Kirk Cousins' overtime drive just really impressed me. And uh, Kirk Cousins is a quarterback I really like a lot. So I was finally – I was happy to finally see him have his signature moment. And that and that's what really put this game here is Kirk Cousins' signature moment. It, the game itself was good. It was entertaining. It, was, it never seemed like either team was really going to pull away. Um there, there were moments that made it very interesting. Taysom Hill launching a 50-yard bomb. Uh, Dalvin Cook had a solid game. Uh, I, I really like that. Uh, there, there were some rising tensions between Cousins and Diggs throughout the game, and Diggs kind of getting angry, not getting targets. But we're, when it really came down to a couple important third downs, Cousins went to Diggs. Wait, did you say – you said you like that? I like that. I like that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Viking Saints wild card was the game of the year to me. Uh, I, I just love that 
floater he flew to Rudolph for the game winner. I thought that was a great moment for uh, Kirk Cousins and Vikings fans in general. Absolutely. I'm going to have to agree with Davis. I think that we saw the Saints 49ers go to battle uh, in earlier or in the middle of the season. We just saw the back and forth, uh, you know, between both teams. It was honestly what I believe one of the better games in recent memory, not just this season, but we saw, you know, the Niners go up a little bit. Saints start to come back. It was just a, a interesting game. Saints went up big to start and then the Niners came back. They went up. Saints came back. It was uh, pretty interesting in the dome nonetheless. And, you know, the thing that uh, really sealed the deal for the Niners was George Kittle channeling his inner Rob Gronkowski yeah. to push the ball into field goal range late in the game. The Saints had thought they sealed it. And the Niners got the 48 to 46 win. And I think if you're, I was uh, actually watching uh, the Jags get slaughtered by uh, the Los Angeles Chargers yeah. at that point. But, um, <laughs> Anyways, I came home. I actually watched this game yesterday. I watched the condensed version on uh, NFL Game Pass just to really because I didn't really get to get the full effect of it. So last night I was like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna watch this." And wow, was I impressed! Uh, and one thing I do think it shows that we can talk about later is that the Niners can score some points when it really matters, which is going to be big going into yeah. the Super Bowl. So we'll see, we'll see. But getting into our next uh, point on here. Who was y'all's MVP? We know Matt. He'll get into it later. But, Davis, what do you think about the MVP of this season? I think, obviously, a lot of people would say it's going to be a Lamar Jackson, which I totally agree. I think that uh, Russell Wilson, pretty solid throughout this season. He was a candidate through leading the most of the season. A lot of people thought Deshaun Watson at the beginning of the season. He came out pretty hot. A lot of people also thought Drew Brees. There were just a lot of people – who uh, competed this season. A lot of people also thought Dalvin Cook coming out, he was he started off pretty good this season. He put up some pretty good numbers. But if it I, wasn't for injuries, he would have been yeah. solid. He's not going to win it because he's not a quarterback, but mm-hmm. at the same time, he would have probably been the, at least the rushing leader. Yeah. I don't think Derrick Henry would have been able to uh, put up those many points because if yeah. you think about it, the Vikings were kind of run heavy this mm-hmm. season. Yeah, they were. The, I think the only way the running back ever wins an MVP again is if they break the single season rushing record. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, the only Adrian Peterson won it in 2012 because he was what nine yards away. Yeah, just an unreal season. But uh, anyways, I just think Lamar Jackson this season, the numbers and stats he put up, pretty incredible. Obviously, he didn't perform that well in the playoffs, but like. You can't blame it all on Lamar Jackson in that game. Like, he did not play his best, obviously. We were able to see that. Um, Their defense just didn't play that well in general. Like, Tannehill first drive of the game, I believe. If I'm correct, it was like a 50-yard touchdown. Or was that? I think that I think that was to put him up fourteen nothing, but oh, okay. he threw a. I know all my Tannehill stuff. He threw a. I, I, he threw I, quite the pass to Johnu Smith to go up seven. <laughs> I don't. I'm, I don't really get into my so I'm not trying to get. I'm not trying to offend those people out there, but the I just Tannehills. Those Tannehill fans. Or those Titans idiots. Fans. The, the Stanahills is what I. <laughs> but I just what, you're, you're trademarking the Stanahills. <laughs> the Stanahills. <laughs> <laughs> I just think turn book it. I just think Lamar Jackson, like the numbers he put up, was just pretty incredible. And he's only 23, and he's putting up these big younger numbers. than Joe Burrow. He, yeah, he's younger than <laughs> Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow just graduated college. So yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and get into my MVP. I'm just gonna put a little disclaimer here. 
I know Lamar Jackson is going to win the MVP, but Lamar Jackson is not my MVP. My MVP, In your heart, you my, believe. My MVP <laughs> is the quarterback of the Tennessee Titans, Marcus Mariota. Oh, <laughs> wait. Oh, that's right. They benched him because he sucks. Tannehill is the guy I actually want to dive into here. Tannehill only started 12 games this year, which is, if anything, the biggest factor why he wouldn't win the MVP. I do think a quarterback does need to play all 16 games. It was pretty similar to Brady being suspended in 2016. Uh, his 28 touchdowns to two interceptions were definitely MVP-esque, but uh, 12 games. You got to play all 16, I think. Um, granted, if you miss like Sounds two like games, Nick Foles numbers. If you grant, if you uh, miss two games because of injury, yeah. <laughs> if you miss like two games because of injury, I think you can uh, make something because of it. But yeah. Tannehill didn't start the season as as his team starting quarterback, and at the time there was a reason for it, and it's because they thought Mariota was better. But that that wasn't the case. Um, in 12 games, he had a 70.3 completion percentage 2,742 yards 22 touchdowns six interceptions and 117.5 passer rating which was the highest in the NFL now just another thing I want to touch on real quick is there were three games this year where Tannehill led a game-winning drive Um, those games came against the Chargers the Buccaneers and the Chiefs and in those games he had passer ratings of 120.1 109.8 and 133.9 so uh, every time it was called on him late, you, you knew he was probably going to come up with something good because that, that was just the theme with him this year was consistency and not just like uh, average consistency, but it, it was it was great consistency. He was putting up passer ratings of over 100 almost weekly. And he, even in the in the playoffs, I'm not. I'm not dumb enough to try and argue that he was phenomenal in the playoffs, but his 14 um, passes. There, there are a couple moments that I like to point out in the late in the Patriots game. He converted a yeah. pretty big third yeah. and eight, which no, kind he, of he stepped up when it mattered. It, it went from the Patriots getting the ball with three minutes back to them getting the ball with 15 seconds back. Yeah. Um, in the second game, well, he only threw the ball what 14 times against the Ravens, but. I really feel like it's kind of underrated that the fact that they went up 14 nothing was in part to him throwing the football really well. Yeah. And once you go up 14 nothing and Derrick Henry's your running back, I mean, you're not going to have to throw it that much more in that game. Also, he had a rushing touchdown in that game. And I didn't think he was terrible in the AFC Championship, but no one was stopping Kansas City. Yeah, there's just there wasn't a team in the AFC better than Kansas City. I don't even know if the Ravens would have beat them if they met up in the AFC Championship. I think it would have been a good game. It, but... it would have. In um, but that I, unfortunately the the Titans run ended in Kansas City. But uh, that was just more so to point out that I thought uh, on that kind of stage in that kind of stadium for a quarterback who's never been there before, I thought Tannehill was solid considering that the workhorse Derrick Henry was shut down. So that's why he's. My MVP, I really admired the way he turned the Titans around and got the Titans to a place they haven't been in a very long time. So uh, props to you, Ryan Tannehill. I hated you in Miami, but I love you now. May I also add that uh, Tannehill is getting paid more from the Dolphins than he actually is from the the Titans, Titans, which I think is pretty incredible for leading a team to an AFC championship game. Yeah, Yeah, it definitely – it's always a luxury to have a bulldozer in the backfield, yeah. but if you're able to do it and get the ball to you know your playmakers when it matters, that's really what uh, makes a great team. I thought Tannehill did a great job of doing that. Um, earlier, I said that a running back would never be the MVP for as long as uh, you know he doesn't break the rushing record. I was wrong. Lamar Jackson is the. And no, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing. <laughs> you can throw pretty far. <laughs> Lamar Jackson played outstanding this year as a quarterback. 
Um, you know, just putting up some incredible numbers, in my opinion. He led the league in passing touchdowns with 36, only threw six interceptions, which for a guy that coming out of college seemed to be a bit willy-nilly with the way he threw the ball, kind of inaccurate at times. He was able to put up some uh, pretty spectacular numbers. Um, you know, he he made the jump from last season uh, from a 58.2% completion percentage to a 66% completion percentage this year. So we saw that jump, and we really saw him uh, kind of mature uh, in his second year as well. Uh, you know, obviously he's going to continue making plays on the ground, led the Ravens in rushing with a 1,206 in the regular season. Um, it might even be in the postseason as well, but uh, you know, seven touchdowns out on top of it, but it was one of the most dominant seasons we've seen from a player passing and rushing at the same time that I think we've ever seen in NFL history. He uh, just continued to play really, really well all year. And um, you know, it, it makes the Ravens better at the end of the day. And, I think that as much as it seems to be the cliche of, oh, uh, Lamar Jackson's the MVP, you know, it kind of seems to be the easy answer, but as while it might be the easy answer, it's still the correct answer. Right. So that's why I'm going to hit, hit on him. So me and Davis right now are two for two. Um, but getting in to our third point, we're going to go with best catch of the year. Davis, what do you have to say about the best catch of the year? There, there were amazing catches of the year all the way from like Michael Thomas to Demarcus Robinson, Tyreek Hill, and all these amazing players, DeAndre Hopkins. But I'm actually going to say uh, Cortland Sutton's one-hand diving catch against the Chargers for a touchdown. It was a 26-yard throw, and it was also Drew Locke's first NFL career touchdown throw, which I thought was uh, pretty cool because Drew Locke, obviously he was a sleeper in the mm-hmm. NFL draft. And mm-hmm. – I think Drew Locke's honestly a very underrated quarterback, and Cortland Sutland's honestly a That's very good. That's my guy. I Drew love Drew Locke's Locke. a household name I, I, here. Sometimes <laughs> I love that uh, Cortland Sutton. He's not underrated in our eyes. We we love Drew Locke just as much as we love like Jake Fromm and Booger McFarland, just for different reasons. He's actually good at what he does. <laughs> but I think Drew Locke's honestly going to be in a couple of years. You're going to be hearing his name quite often. He was his freshman year in college. Obviously not too good, but like last year or uh, two years ago, years ago against Florida, like he completely dominated against Florida's defense. It was really good Florida defense, and but I I just think that uh, the Cortland Sutton catch was just an amazing catch. Drew Locke was also good against other teams in college than just Florida. Like <laughs> yeah, Jake Fromm, who was under good. <laughs> Florida. Um, my best catch of the year. Is going to go to a guy who had a bit of a, a down year by his standards, but still made a phenomenal catch in week two on Monday night against the Jets. <laughs> that was Odell Beckham. Yeah. Baker Mayfield. Kind of just threw it up to him. And Beckham in his home stadium, or his former home stadium. It's still his home stadium. Odell still, still owns he, that stadium. He does. He, he owns <laughs> that stadium. Um, just not against the Giants. It was against the Jets on a Monday night. OBJ makes the beautiful one-handed catch. Um, at, I, I was blown away and, um, going through this, I was trying to think of catches and, uh, when I, when I, when I saw best catch that I had to come up with something for that, this instantly popped into my mind. So I said, I'm just going to go with that. That's the one I'm going to bring up because, uh, it, it's a phenomenal catch and it's, there's a reason that it was the first thing that popped into my mind. It was for sure. It was beautiful for sure. With my best catch of the year, I'm going to have to go with a Thursday night Yeah, Thursday night game, uh, we saw Russell Wilson drop back in the pocket, roll out to his left, take on an oncoming defender, 
turn his body, fire into the back of the end zone. What looked like it was going to be an incomplete pass until Tyler Lockett came yeah, out of nowhere, snagged it. That's the one in that commercial. It's kept like it kept his feet down and was able to secure the ball in the back of the end zone. It was spectacular. I, 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 there's nothing else I can say about it. Uh, every time I think of, okay, what was the best catch in 2019-20 season, that's the what's going to pop in my head. Obviously, Odell had a great catch. Um, Cortland Sutton had some great catches, including the one you mentioned. But I just – Tyler Lockett being able to keep his feet down. We've seen this happen from the t- that tandem multiple times. Russell just being able to find Tyler Lockett in the most unpredictable situations. It's just – you can't really think, okay. But as he was rolling out, I was like – I was watching that game. I was like – I think I was at the gym. And I was like looking at it. I was like, Tyler Lockett's about to catch that. Yeah. And I was like, he's about to show up out of nowhere and catch it. And then I just see the camera kind of – Flash to him, and he's barely in bounds, trying to snag it in the back of the end zone. He was able to do it in cra- in a crowd too. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like it was, you know, he was uh, with one person and just being beating his player. He was, he kind of found his found the ball through all the all the mess that was going on there. But yeah, I definitely have to say that was probably my favorite catch of the season. Sure. So Davis, what was your uh, what was the best or even your favorite run of the season, uh, depending on what you have here? So I I had like three or four runs, but honestly, in my opinion, I'm I'm actually gonna say two, but I'm gonna start with my favorite was a Marshawn Lynch touchdown against the Eagles in the playoffs. It was about an eight yard run, and he had defenders on him, and he was pushing into the end zone. And there was, I think there were two or three defenders like trying to tackle him, and he just pushes his way and scores a touchdown. I respect that. Classic Marshawn. But I'm not going to lie. I've become so numb to runs from Marshawn like that because yeah. I'm just like – like if it's not the Saints run, I'm not like, oh, my gosh. I'm just like, oh, Marshawn's doing what Marshawn's uh-huh. doing. Like it's yeah. so – it's kind of crazy to think that you've – like I've become so accustomed to seeing a guy like Marshawn who uh, continues to bulldoze his way in the end zones even uh, – literally coming out of retirement for the playoffs. I just, right. It's crazy to think about. But, yeah, I definitely can agree with that. That's that. why it was one of my favorite because he came out of the retirement. And then my second favorite is a Derrick Henry run. It was a 16 – it was a 68, 69-yard run against the Chiefs. They were down 13 to 19. Is that when he split the middle? He Yeah. He uh, basically ran all over their defense, split split the middle, breaks two tackles, and straight to the end zone. They tie the game on that end zone, but obviously they, they take the lead by the extra point, and that's one of my favorite runs of this season. Yeah. Um, my, my, my best runs actually aren't from running backs. They are both from quarterbacks. One of them I didn't write down, but I'm going to say is an honorable mention just because uh, – I'm a Patriots fan, and it's going to be that fourth and six Tom Brady run against the Chiefs. <laughs> I just I just admired that one because 2019 didn't really bring a lot of signature Brady moments. Yeah, but that that was probably one of them. The fourth and six down late fist pump, Gillette's uh, rocking. Uh, the only reason that isn't my favorite is because they didn't win that game. I was say that my, was my, he got hyped to lose. <laughs> my best run of that game, or my best run of the season, was Lamar Jackson's spin. That's what, the yeah, Bengals. that's mine. That's mean, that was just Madden. Not that was not real life. Someone was in the press box playing with a controller, <laughs> yeah. controlling Lamar Jackson, hit the B button, and uh, uh, Lamar Jackson put a beautiful spin on whatever whoever was trying to tackle him. But yeah, that that was the most impressive run of the season. No, that was beautiful, and I also think uh, you know Lamar Jackson is just spectacular in everything he does. He even, he had a few times this season where 
he just started chopping his feet and dudes were just bowing to him. It, it was, he was baptizing dudes all year. Um, I'm going to have to say it's Lamar's spin cycle versus the Bengals as well. Um, just because, you know, Lamar is absolutely spectacular. We've seen him do it multiple, multiple times, but that move was just like my, my like Matt said, it was just being able to do that and, real life and not a video game is just something you don't see from many players very often. Um, my honorable mention is going to have to be, um, it was in the playoffs, uh, Matt, uh, after the Tennessee Titans eliminated his Patriots. It was, it was Matt's team, uh, you know, with the Tennessee Titans. And uh, I'm going to have to say Derek Henry turning Earl Thomas into a lead yeah, blocker might be like my favorite one. run of the, at least the postseason, if not the entire season as well. So, uh, yeah, those are some pretty spectacular moments. I, I've honestly really loved this year. Uh, I, I think there's been some uh, pretty good plays that we can look back on and kind of think just, wow. Uh, one thing that also popped in my head when I thought of best run, uh, it wasn't even from a ball carrier. Uh, it was Tyreek Hill running up the sideline to prove that he's faster than Damian Williams, um, to prove to Damian Williams that he's faster than him. Uh, you know, Damian gave him about – or Tyreek gave him about a 20-yard head start. Tyreek ended up beating him to the end zone. I just thought that was a crazy uh, run for someone that's not even – a ball carrier. So, um, but what is your favorite play of the year, Davis? What do you, what do you have for that? Mine is actually going to be a drive by the Jags. Minshew magic, baby. Third and 14 against the Broncos. How are we getting the same thing for all of them? We haven't even talked about this. Third and 14 against the Broncos. (laughs) Almost sacked, but he stays on his, on his feet, avoids some pressure and throws a dot to Keelan Cole for the first down. Later in that drive, he scrambles to the right or wait, no, wrong wrong thing. Uh, but that keeps the drive going. Later in that drive, third and five on the eight-yard line, Minshew's under pressure, dodges some tackles, throws a touchdown to Armstead, and I think it's a pretty – that is honestly one of my favorite plays of this season because, one, it's Armstead's first touchdown, career touchdown, and uh, it was an 11-minute drive to start the second half, and I just think by that play that Minshew had, that's when Minshew magic happened. Yeah, I can 100% agree with that. Um, before I get to Matt, I'm going to kind of switch up the rotation a little bit because I have the same play. Um, just Minshew being able to uh, – I think that was his real first showing of excellence. We saw it a little bit against Houston. He played well uh, in the previous game uh, against the Titans on Thursday night. But that was his real moment of showing that he could actually be a good NFL quarterback. He could actually get the job done. He was able to, you know, move in and out of the pocket, keep the play alive, find Raquel Armstead, and a comeback win in Denver in Mile High Stadium, a rather uh, raucous environment, rather, uh, you know, kind of w- weird atmosphere for a rookie to go into and play well uh, in, um, especially with the troubles the defense had. Um, you know, Trey Herndon got picked on early from Joe Flacco, but they kind of got stagnant. Defense started to step it up. Gardner Minshew was able to lead the Jaguars to a win. And ultimately, he was. I feel like looking back at it now, um, I, I feel like that's where the Jaguars should have said, "Okay, this is our guy." Yeah, uh, you I know, agree. It, 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 he. We saw that the offensive line wasn't going to be able to stay. You know, be able to um, protect a guy like Nick Foles, who's used mm-hmm. to sitting back in the pocket and firing while the pressure's in his face. He didn't really have time to allow his wide receivers to, you know, get in their routes and develop. Uh, what the play that was going on. So I just think Minshew's ability to scramble, ability to keep the play alive was really um, what I saw as the best play of the year. So 
What do you have, Matt? Um, my best play of the year is going to be the Dolphins' fourth and goal fiasco versus the Eagles. No, that was pretty Where cool. it was Matt Hack throwing a touchdown pass to Jason Sanders, I think, or it might have been the other way around. But yeah. it was a combination of the one of the two, and it was kind of just a, a wow factor. Like, what the heck did this team just pull off? And also it was against the Eagles, and I could care less about the Eagles, so that was fun <laughs> to see. Um, my honorable mention, this by no means was a flashy play or – uh, a play of the year, but it was Antonio Brown's one and only touchdown with the Patriots in Miami, just cause like I went to that game and saw it live yeah. and it was a really cool moment. Uh, but then, you know, that whole thing happened with him and uh, that was that, but uh, no doubt. Am I going with the dolphins fourth and goal against yeah. the Eagles? That was just something else. I mean, how yeah. often are you going to see a punter throw a touchdown to a kicker? Exactly. Speaking of Antonio Brown, as the show that brought you the breaking news of Antonio Brown's situation, as on the show, on as well as Twitter, um, it's kind of interesting to see uh, Antonio Brown now after his uh, encounter with the law. I should say he's kind of uh, taking some. He's backtracking a little bit. Uh, he dropped to- a song on Spotify. It sucked. It was so bad. <laughs> it was hard to listen to. <laughs> oh my goodness! But yeah, he's taking some steps back. He's starting to try to mend some relationships with the NFL and former teammates like Juju Smith Schuster. He posted a picture that said, it's all love. This is a brotherhood. And Juju uh, commented on the tweet and said, well, unblock me then. And, <laughs> and so we just had some interesting moments from him. Uh, but, yeah, we, we just wanted to give you an update on the life of Antonio Brown. In case you're curious, because that's what we do here on Sunshine State Takes. We, we make update our, you about Antonio We make our Brown. money from Antonio Brown, <laughs> Jake Fromm slander, Booger, Booger slander, and, and Drew Locke being the goat that he is. Yes. Wait, so can I actually add an honorable mention? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't, I'm honestly going to go the play where uh, DeAndre Hopkins rolled out to the right and uh, passed it to Deshaun Watson for a touchdown because oh, I yeah. thought that was a pretty was pretty cool play. And, like, they, they come into this game against the Patriots. Yeah. And, <laughs> you have something else to say? And uh, – <laughs> Honestly, he just looked like, at me for like five seconds. <laughs> honestly, I just thought it was a cool play because like that's not anything like you see like you yeah you see the Philly special nowadays, but like that just brings the trick play to a different level. And I just thought the DeAndre Hopkins pass to you, uh, or actually pitch, I'll shall say, to uh, Deshaun Watson was a pretty cool play. Yeah, for sure. You know what I think was also cool. The same exact thing happening in the playoffs against Houston with Josh Allen on the first drive. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> that was, so, uh, yeah. I just wish Buffalo would have won that game. But, yeah, uh, me too. To wrap this up, we're going to get into our coaches of the year. Coaches of the year. Uh, who we got? Who we got? Who wants to so, go first? So, I'll, I'll start. I'll start. So, you know, coming in, I kind of went with the obvious. Um, I went Kyle Shanahan because, you know, he took a team that was projected to finish in the bottom of the league. And uh, as we see them now, they're, uh, we're about to get to, into them in the next segment as we break down the Super Bowl. It's something that – uh. It's kind of spectacular if you ask me. And I honestly think he's been uh, – he's built a winning culture in San Fran uh, for years to come. It's not just going to be a one-year-and-done type of thing. They have the defense. Their run game solid. Jimmy Garoppolo will continue to uh, develop. They have George Kittle, who's probably the best tight end in football at the moment outside of maybe Travis Kelsey, which is going to be an interesting tight end versus tight end thing. Which one is going to be able – obviously they're not going to play each other, but which one's going to be able to get more of a, uh, you know – which one's going to be able to do more in the Super Bowl in the biggest moment of their uh, careers at this time? But 
my honorable mention, or maybe even my co-coach of the year, is going to be Brian Flores of the okay. Miami Dolphins. I, like um, I just think that, you know, you look at it, you think the Dolphins, think about the Dolphins. They're supposed to go 0-16, okay? They, they, they were a team many thought to not even – I think they were a touchdown underdogs in every game they played this season uh, at the beginning of the year. But they ended up winning five games, two of which were against teams above 500. And it united the Dolphins franchise, and I think that's absolutely remarkable. And Brian Flores, while he might not win the award this year, he definitely has a chance to take the Dolphins into being something special if they can really find uh, that quarterback of the future and kind of start building around what they have, the the uh, foundation they have right now. Even Ryan Fitzpatrick can be able to get some stuff done next year yeah. if they really choose. So that's what I have to say about that. So do you have any? Which one of you would like to? Step up to the plate and give their coach I'll, of the I'll year. Let Matt go because I have a pretty I'll, good. I'll Davis is excited for his I'll coach take of the this year. One, um, I'm going to go with a guy that I honestly don't think many people are picking to win coach of the year, and it, it it certainly has nothing to do with the fact that he's a bad coach by any means. It's just because no one gives a uh, a crap about the team he coaches. I'm picking Bruce Arians, and honestly, uh, I was reading through the different coaches and like like. A lot of these co- – like T- Tomlin would have been my pick, but the Steelers kind of fell off towards the end. Shanahan is like an obvious choice. Harbaugh was an obvious choice. But I kind of look at the Buccaneers season here, and I, I just think about the fact that this team went 7-9 and nine after two years of going 5-11 and 11 with a quarterback that threw 30 picks. And I, I look through their schedule. They were 3-7 and seven and went on a four-game winning streak to get back to 500. They, they had a chance to make – something of a somewhat lost season and that and that is really remarkable to me and I, I looked through the schedule they had oh I'm going to count this real quick one two uh three four five six losses by double digits or not double digits six losses by single digits and those came to the Giants which were on a missed field goal one of those came to the Saints one of those came to the Titans one of those came to the Seahawks in overtime and then uh Texans in week 16 in Falcons. So they hung in there with a lot of teams that made the playoffs. And I think that that says a lot about the Buccaneers and their future. I think they have good pieces. And I think, I think they, I think Jameis Winston needs to stick with Bruce Arians because um, they got some good stuff going on in Tampa. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as we cruise into our final segment, I'm going to, we're going to get right into Davis's coach of the year um, coming up. But we're going to take a quick break as we get into his and then finally get into the Chiefs Niners Super Bowl for our last NFL talk of this season. Wrapping up the final set or this uh, look back at the 100th NFL season, we're gonna have Davis tell us who he thought was the best coach of the year. Who do you think, Davis? Um, obviously he's not gonna be the best coach of the year, but I think with the circumstances he was in, he showed that he can coach. I'm gonna go with the coach of the Steelers, Mike Tomlin. He started 0-4. Uh, they didn't even have Big Ben as their quarterback at all throughout the season. Their first three games were against New England, Seattle, San Francisco, three of some of the best teams. They only lost by Seattle by two. They only lost by San Francisco by four. Um, Baltimore, they only lost by three. I think with having the quarterbacks who they have and, like, all the injuries they've had, their defense was really good. 
Um, obviously, they sort of fell off to the end by ending the season with three straight losses. But after starting 0-4, they, they won four straight games in the middle. Um, obviously not against anything special, but their defense was stellar. They they had uh, a, they had I think the second best interception, second most interceptions in the league behind the Patriots. But obviously the Patriots defense was outstanding this season. A lot of people would say Kyle Shanahan and or Harbaugh just because of who they are or Andy Reid. But I think under the circumstances that the Steelers went through, having a second and third string quarterback play in the season and going eight and eight and almost making a wild card. I think that's pretty spectacular for a coach like him. Yeah, no, I definitely think that uh, he's been overlooked this year. Um, you know, he won coach of the year in 2008 for the 2008 season. Um, he, he's been a consistent piece in Pittsburgh. Many people thought last season that he was kind of losing the locker room. It's kind of been a talk for in recent memory that he's just kind of been uh, there. He hasn't been really um, uniting p- players as, uh, you know, he was brought in to, do you know that, that's what he was brought in after Bill Cowher retired? He was brought in to you know create or keep that winning culture there in Pittsburgh. And despite being what might be Pittsburgh's worst down year without Ben Roethlisberger losing AB, Juju Smith-Schuster being in and out, James Conner being in and out, it was kind of a rough season in terms of injuries and things like that. Injuries, free agents being lost, but um, other than uh the things that, you know, you can, out of your control. Mike Tomlin did a great job of keeping that team united in the final outcome and, or in the, in the final moments of, uh, you know, what we saw from everything that happened this season. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to get into our final segment, which is the Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl preview. Uh, we're going to start with a review of each team's season and, uh, you know, postseason, but it's going to be a rather quick one. So um, I think uh, – which one of you would like to do that? I can do it real quick if you want me to, or um, it doesn't matter. Um, well, I think I'll go ahead and uh, I'll talk. I'll talk the Niners. Um, okay. I'm really intrigued by this Niners team. I think they are one of the more complete teams we've seen in football in a while. Their only really lacking position is maybe a strong second corner outside of Richard Sherman, but I think Richard Sherman has enough experience to kind of carry those around him. Um, this Niners defensive front is dangerous. Uh, their linebacking core is very good. They have a lot of weapons on the offensive side. I think their offensive line really knows how to bully people. I think they have great running backs. Um, I'm actually not quite sure what Tevin Coleman's status is. Do you know? I, I, that that, arm, that arm injury looked uh, pretty gruesome against the Packers. But um, the Niners really just came out of the gates firing this season. And – I'm not really sure if it was surprising or not surprising because last year they went four and 12, but they also didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, And so we knew that the potential was there for them to be good. I don't think anyone thought this good, but they came out, they beat the teams they needed to beat. They secured the one seed with a phenomenal game over the Seahawks in week 17. That's actually something that I was thinking about marking up as one of my games of the year. It, It Literally, they I'm were inches, they, we they, they were that. literally inches away from being the fifth seed. Uh, instead, they got the one seed. They took care of business against the Vikings and Packers, both double-digit wins, both games won by 17 points, and they find themselves in the Super Bowl. I think they have a very stacked team. I think they've been dominant all year, and they rightfully so are uh, playing for a right to hoist the Lombardi Trophy. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, I'm gonna I'll get into the Chiefs a little bit. You know, they went 12 and four in the regular season. Uh, had losses to Houston, Tennessee, Indy, Green Bay. Yeah. Uh, some pretty solid teams throughout the season. Three of which were playoff teams. Indy looked as if they were going to be pretty solid at the beginning of the season. Kind of saw, um, you know, kind of went down, unraveled a bit throughout the rest of the season. But as easy as it may have seemed for the Chiefs, they've had to scratch and claw to get to this position. We've seen multitude of injuries affect them in this year. Uh, Tyreek Hill going out week one, not returning till week six. Mahomes playing the first half of the year banged up, had to go out for two weeks with a knee injury um, that he suffered against. Um, who was it? Indy? Denver. Den- yeah, it was Denver. My bad. QB sneak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the QB sneak. I, I remember um, that was something that I, I kind of was shocked by at the end of the day. But um, they, they've been able to continue winning, been able to get it done with Matt Moore um, at quarterback, which really shows how good Andy Reid really is as a coach. Um, and, you know, come playoff time, they were ready. They were ready for action. And to this point, they've got it done. They might have started out a little bit slow. Um, their season might have started out a little bit slow, but uh, they definitely picked it up similar to how they played in the playoffs. Started out slow, picked it up when it mattered. So, um, yeah. So, do you have anything to say, Davis? Um, I think the Chiefs' offense is just so explosive. And not too many teams have been able to really stop their offense. Patrick Mahomes is – probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. Uh, he's got some of the, I think, very underrated receivers. Like when you talk about receivers, you always people tend to go to like Mike Thomas, Julio, DeAndre Hopkins, or T.Y. or those people. But I think Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and Demarcus Robinson are very good receivers, and I think they're honestly very underrated. And I think uh, they can – if they can distribute the ball throughout throughout them, they can do some damage. But I think uh, the I think the 49ers defensive line is going to have to get to Mahomes, Mahomes pretty quick, so he doesn't have time to sit in the pocket and throw. Uh, what I do know about this game for sure, I, I mean, I've been looking at it all week because um, it, it's a lot of fresh life to the Super Bowl for sure. Why is that? Uh, well, because the Patriots aren't in it. And um, it's it's pretty much a given that anytime the Patriots make the Super Bowl that Tom Brady's the best quarterback in the game or in that specific game. Um, what I do know about this game for sure is um, while these teams, I think, are both evenly matched, I know for sure that the Chiefs obviously have uh, the better quarterback than the Niners. And if that is the Chiefs for sure strength, then that is how the Chiefs have to win this game. I know it's definitely a tall – asking order to put all the load on your third year quarterback in his first Super Bowl ever, but against this defense and against the schemes that Shanahan's going to draw up and, you know, just against the overall dominance of this Niners team, the game's going to be won and lost in the quality of play by Patrick Mahomes. Now, the thing that really scares me for this game is the Niners offense has been very reserved in the postseason, And that just makes me wonder what does Kyle Shanahan have up his sleeve for this Super Bowl? Because in reality, how many plays do you think that he has planned to call this postseason? He ended up not calling. Probably a pretty good amount. Because in the NFC Championship, Jimmy Garoppolo only had to throw it eight times. And in the divisional round, he only had to throw it 19. So that's 27 pass attempts over two games from Jimmy Garoppolo in the postseason. Meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes has come out. He's slung it both games. He's done a great job. He's had an unbelievable postseason to this point. But we know what the Chiefs are going to do on Sunday. They're going to throw the ball. I mean, they're not going to win the game handing it off to Damian Williams. They're going to win the game by 
by Patrick Mahomes rolling out to the left and right and tossing it down the field. That That is the recipe of success for the Chiefs. And it doesn't seem like something that should work, but it does because Mahomes' talent is just unlike anything we've ever seen. It's it, It's honestly a level of offense that should be easy to stop, but because of just how ridiculously good Mahomes is, no one can stop what the Chiefs do. And that's what concerns me with the Niners. But also compared to like the Texans and Titans, the Niners will actually have the ability to make Mahomes' night miserable. Neither the Texans or the Titans really had that on defense. And uh, the key for the Niners in this one to me is you got to get Mahomes off to a tough start because I don't care what happens. The Chiefs are going to put up points in this game, but it needs to be similar to how the Niners played in the NFC Championship where they're up 17 nothing, And, yeah, I know Houston was up 24 nothing, but Houston's defense is also atrocious. Like, yeah. I don't think any of us had doubt that Kansas City was still going to win that game. Yeah. The Niners- I bet someone down – well, okay, I don't know if I can say that, but I bet someone down 24 to nothing that the Chiefs would come back and win it. You and guaranteed someone. I w- yes. No, I would like I guarantee that someone – We don't bet. Yeah, we don't, we don't bet. We don't we – don't, uh, yeah, no, we don't um, do that here. That's such as it takes. Uh, so, we don't live in Vegas. Yeah. So, anyways um, – I think the Niners have the ability to make Patrick Mahomes' night a bit uncomfortable, and that needs to happen uh, because while this Chiefs defense has shown improvement, I still think it's a little less physical than the Niners' defense, and I think uh, the Niners have enough weapons on offense to effectively attack the Chiefs' defense. So I, the Niners really are going to need to go up 17 nothing in this game or something like it, or maybe like 20-7 to or 23-10 to or something. They're going to have to build an early lead because by the time the third and fourth quarter rolls around, Mahomes is going to be slinging it. I just have no doubt about that. So the Niners need to make it to where pretty pretty much when the second – not I'm not even going to say the second half. When the second game begins, because the Chiefs have played two games in both playoff games each year. They've played the game where they've been down double digits, and they played the game where you can't stop them no matter what you do. Yeah. I think they're going to play both those games again today. Uh, the Niners just need to build a bit of a comfortable lead so they can compete when that second game starts. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I definitely think this is the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. We've said it. Uh, for multiple different things. But you got the unstoppable force in Kansas City's offense versus the immovable object that is the San Francisco 49ers defense. Two talented, um, extremely talented units in the NFL. Number one defense versus number one offense. I mean, it might not be the technical number one ranked offense, but we all know that the Kansas City Chiefs offense is the best in football. Yeah. Um, you can say the Ravens have a uh, you know something about them that makes them the best, but at the same time, no one's going to be putting up more points than the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you could say the Ravens have the best offense. You could say the Chiefs have the best Cowboys. offense. You could say the Packers. You could say the Cowboys. But we can all agree Eli Manning's not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyways, in this game, historically, defenses win games. We, we've said it multiple times. Defenses win championships. For example, we saw the Broncos after uh, you know two years removed from their uh, heartbreaking loss to the Seahawks in Peyton Manning's final season beat the Panthers who was the number one ranked offense in the, in that season. Um, but this year, I think the thing that really um, shows something about San Francisco is that not only do they play spectacular defense, but they also um, use it to be able to win in close games. Uh, while Kansas City is a team that is more of a, we're going to, we might get down big, but we're going to end up blowing you out in the end. And we've seen that in the playoffs. Um, I think where it really comes down to in this game is the quarterback matchup. Uh, we have a quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, who's a gunslinger. He'll drop it back, throw it all over the yard. He can roll out, make plays on his feet, and just be. We'll just we'll see a few moments that we're just all at. It will be an all 
But um, And then you have Jimmy Garoppolo, up and coming. He knows how to win football games. He's shown it since he's gotten into the league with the Patriots. Coming over from the Patriots with the Niners, he's just shown that he can be able to, while he might not put up those spectacular uh, numbers that Patrick Mahomes can, he can still come out on top. But I think um, there's a few questions that I ask myself going into this game. Will the lights be too big for the young QBs? Will we see a more of a sloppy game from uh, both of them? Uh can Jimmy G win the ball throwing or win this game throwing the ball? It's going to be uh, interesting because so far this year we've seen the 49ers so reliant on their run game. And last week we kind of saw the Chiefs shut down what might be the best run game in football in the Tennessee Titans uh, or two weeks ago. Um, and then also, will Patrick Mahomes be able to stay cool, calm, and collected in what might be the biggest game of his life? We've seen multiple times where a gunslinger mentality can get some players in trouble in big type of games like this. Yeah. And Patrick Mahomes is definitely that gunslinger type of player. He likes to be able to fire the ball down the field into tight windows. And I think by doing that, he could find himself in some trouble. So um, Richard Sherman's going to be all ex- Exactly. Over. It's going to be some interesting. I think, uh, you know, Richard Sherman – He's a great defender, uh, and it's really going to be up to Mahomes whether he can put that little bit of extra juice and let Tyreek run under it, let Demarcus Robinson go up and grab it. It's going to be some interesting football. Even fired over the middle to Travis Kelsey a little bit. Um, But I I, kind of want to get into my keys of victory if we're ready to do that. Um, So I just wanted to say – I mean, I feel like I already kind of explained Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go ahead and kind of touch on mine a little bit. Um, I just think – Kansas City, this this postseason, like you said, has gotten off to pretty slow starts. They've continued to get off to, you know, kind of let other teams get out in front of them. Um, we saw it more in the Houston game. I mean, Tennessee got out on top by 10, but it wasn't anything that looked like it could be unmountable. Um, Houston, while it didn't seem to be, it, it the, the scoreboard looked a lot different right. than what the game was really telling at that point. Um, so I just don't think they're going to be able to get out to that slow start. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to be able to – um, let San Francisco go up 24 and be able to come back. Cause at the end of the day, San Francisco is going to get a few stops. They might not um, be able to shut them down completely, but they will um, force some bad decisions by Patrick Mahomes at some point or another, in my opinion. Um, also, I think the 49ers have to open up the passing game with Jimmy G early on. They can't be too run reliant because they want, they don't want the chiefs to make that offense one dimensional. If they can get it to where they can stop the run early on, they're not going to be able to do anything through the pass game because the Chiefs are going to start really anchoring down what the – they're going to really dictate what the 49ers do. So they have to open up some play action early. Uh, and, another, that, and that's a good point you bring up because by only throwing the ball 27 times in two playoff games, this opens up the field for the Niners to do so much in, yeah, with the passing exactly. game early on. Because you already game. know they're going to stack the they're box gonna, early on. The, the Chiefs I, want, I just want to know what kind of trick plays Shanahan has up his sleeve. I mean, what's he going to come out with here? He's – He's going to come out with something we have not seen even – I don't even think we've seen a quarter of what Shanahan has wanted to do with this passing yeah, offense no. in the playoffs this no. year. And he has the biggest stage to kind of figure it all out. Yeah, so. I think the crazy thing about it is he might not have done exactly what he's wanted to do, but they've been so good at running the football and winning that right. way. He's trying to not deviate from his you know overall game plan, which they can't deviate completely from the run game. But I do think they need to be more balanced overall in this game than they have been throughout the entire playoffs. Um, next point, I think Kansas City, uh, similar to how the 49ers have to open up the passing game, I think Kansas City has to stop their run. Um, you know, they have to play uh, – they have to stop the run defensively and make that 49ers offense one-dimensional because if they can get to where Jimmy Garoppolo is dropping back in the pocket and throwing the football – We've seen Tyron Matthew be a bit of a ball hawk. Yeah. He's kind of reemerged as being that 
a guy we saw honey early badger. on. Exactly, the honey badger early on his career. He's been hit, making some big hits. He's, uh, you know, kind of all over the field in that aspect of the game. Um, but the biggest thing for me in this game is going to be the Niners stopping Patrick Mahomes, okay? So we're going to have to see Patrick Mahomes. They're going to have to contain him. They're not going to be able to let him scramble, get out of the pocket, make those plays that we've seen him make over his two-year career. And if you watch his college film, he did the exact same things there, and people were like, he's not going to be able to do that in the NFL, and he's done that and more. Um, But I think if any unit can do it, it's this 49ers pass rush because they're talented, they're nasty, and I think Nick Bosa – you know, Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, and Solomon Thomas are going to be able to really put some pressure on Patrick Mahomes and make him a little flustered early on, especially with the nerves of the Super Bowl, the bright lights and everything like that. So uh, it's going to be really interesting. So do you guys have a prediction uh, or anything if we're ready to get into what we really think is going to be the outcome of this game? Well, uh, before we get into scores, okay, I would like to say I think for the Chiefs to have a really good chance, I think they are going to have to open their run game a little bit because they are a heavy passing offense and sometimes a passing offense is pretty easy to shut down. Like, especially with defensive players like Richard Sherman, like he'll be able to maybe get an interception or two, but uh, I think, Uh, can I comment on that real quick? So I think the one thing that I, so I was thinking about the same thing, you know, we often see uh, teams go in with a passing mentality, kind of get stopped uh, you know, by they're not be able to sling it all over the yard in, in terms of how they've been able to throughout throughout the regular like the regular season and to they got into this point. But the thing I think that separates the Chiefs from any other team is they have weapons all mm-hmm. around the field. I One agree. player I've never seen a team I, with it, speed. The, like, the, they have built their team based off speed. Travis Kelsey's even ridiculously yeah. fast. He's probably one of the faster tight ends in the NFL. Um, you know, his big body doesn't really mean that he can't move. Uh, you know, they have Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins. Uh, Travis Kelsey, Damian Williams out of the backfield has shown that he can be a good pass catcher. Uh, Byron Pringle at times has shown that he right. can uh, play when Tyreek Hill wasn't in. Miko Hardman's the fastest dude in the NFL. So they just have some solid pieces. Demarcus Robinson's big and lengthy. He can go up and get it, but he's still – He drops he's still, a, a, he's, a few too many, though. He still has track speed. When he gets the ball, he could yeah. be gone. So I just think there's so many weapons around the field. And like you said, the, the biggest uh, weakness of this 49ers team – is Reese Withers or no? It's not Reese. It's uh, Witherspoon. Whatever. Yeah. It's I not Reese Witherspoon. She, that's an actor. But anyways, um, <laughs> no, that first name does flee my mind a lot. No, yeah, it's definitely it's Witherspoon. Um, so by saying that, we're gonna see a lot of uh, help over the top, and if they can find holes in that uh, 49ers defense, the Chiefs have a very good shot to be able mm. to go out and kind of pick them apart. It's gonna be the really what Matt, how that rush of the 49ers gets after Patrick Mahomes and if they have time to really open up that passing game. Um, I would also like to say, I think you've seen Mahomes do it before. Like he can run the ball, but I think him running the ball is going to be big in this game. Like even down the field, I think running down the field will be big because Bose is going to get to him pretty quickly. And I think he's not going to have as much time as he has against like when he plays like, the Jags or the Texans or Titans. Like, this is one of the best defensive lines in the NFL right now. And I think he's going to have to show some of his athletic ability by running down the field. Like, you saw it against the Titans. He had that nice run touchdown. But I think that uh, he's going to have to show, use his legs a little more than he usually does. Yeah, I can agree with that. He's definitely going to have to show that he can get out of the pocket and not just look for players down the field and be able to 
get past the line of scrimmage um, and get some yardage that way. One thing that really concerns me with Kansas City, I think, is if they're up late in this game, I don't really trust their ability to run out the clock just because I don't because they're such I, a I, I, don't, I don't think like San Francisco will have very much trouble stopping Damian Williams in this game. And because of it, in order to run the clock, it's gonna have to be uh, with reverses to Tyreek Hill or you're gonna have passes, to see you're gonna have to see some Niners, yeah things that the Niners know how to stop. So I feel like if this game is like thirty to twenty Kansas City with like ten or nine minutes to go, it's really not gonna be over for San Francisco yeah. because they have the weapons to score and Kansas City's gonna struggle running out that clock. Um, for sure. They're gonna have to have some unorthodox ways of running the football if they're gonna try to run out the clock that way. My X factor in this game uh, if you guys want to listen to X-Factor 2, you can. I'm kind of just going off the script here. But my X-Factor in this game actually is going to be Richard Sherman. And it's because I think he's the most experienced player playing in, in this game on Sunday. Um, I And I, I think if the Chiefs passing game is to come out and struggle and Mahomes is to come out and struggle, I think it'd be it's going to be because of an early Richard Sherman pick and Sherman's going to say something that gets in Mahomes' head. He's going to be like, yo, I've been here before. You haven't. Welcome to the big stage. Good luck with it. And, you know, I, I think Sherman just just specifically because of the person he is and the loud mouth that he can sometimes be has the ability, I think, to mentally knock Patrick Mahomes off his feet a little bit. And that's why I'm really going to keep an eye out on Richard Sherman. I want to keep an eye on what he says. I want to keep an eye on his body language. And I kind of want to keep an eye on all that because I, I really think he has uh, the potential to be the motivator and kind of the shifter for the 49ers. No, I definitely think uh, Richard Sherman is going to play a huge part for the 49ers uh, stopping that uh, Kansas City passing attack. But at the same time, I think uh, you just look at Kansas City's defense from last year to this year. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's monumental how big of a jump they've made uh, from that season to this season. But I think what really it comes down to is, well, I, in my opinion, the big three of that defense, Frank Clark, yeah. uh, Chris Jones, and then the Honey Badger on the back end, Tyron Matthew. You're going to have to see those players play their – uh, you know, what, probably one of their best games of all all year, um, two of which are going to be more focused on stopping the run and Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Uh, even Tyron Matthew can get up there, get in the box a little bit and be able to get some uh, heavy licks on Tevin Coleman, Raheem Moster, and even Matt Breida. And uh, I think the biggest thing about it is you're going to have to try to find some opportunities from those guys to be able to get the ball with to Patrick Mahomes with a short field. It's not going to be something that's die and it's not going to be a dire need for them because we know Kansas City can move the ball, but just taking away possessions from the 49ers. Uh, we've seen Pitt Matt Breida have a bit of a fumbling issue um, this season and in his over his career. Maybe he gets a ball and uh, you know, you just you see Tyron Matthew put a helmet on it and really be able to knock it loose for the 40 or for the Chiefs to get uh, you know, that a bit of extra juice. So I, I it's gonna be an interesting game. Uh, do you have any X factors, Davis, or can we move into our score predictions? Um, I think Chiefs defense is really going to have to play really well. Like, like sort of what Brandon said, Honey Badger is going to have to play well. Frank Clark and Chris Jones, but uh, I think a big key is uh, make Jimmy G uncomfortable in his passing game. So then, if they can shut down that passing game by Jimmy G, they could also shut down that run game, which could really shut them down in general. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, but yeah, as we get into our final, uh, you know, predictions of the evening, I think we can uh, move into what we think is going to happen in this game. So, Matt, do you have uh, your final thoughts or anything that's going to kind of dictate how this game falls? Um, well, the one thing we've yet to talk about, 
I, I we talked we we touched on Shanahan briefly. We we haven't really gone too in depth with the coaches. Uh, this is Andy Reid's first Super Bowl since two thousand four, and. I think his quarterback's a little bit more. His quarterback's a bit better this time. I don't know about better. He's just making some smart decisions. He won't be on over. I mean, we don't know until we see it for sure. But (laughs) we can assume Mahomes will not be hung over tomorrow night. Um, But I think for both coaches, this is their must-win game. Because what happened last time Kyle Shanahan was in a Super Bowl? 28-3 lead was blown by Atlanta. Last time Andy Reid was in the Super Bowl, you know, his, his offense just didn't really show up. You know, so um, I think there's wouldn't that be something if the Chiefs offense doesn't show up? Yeah, right? wow. They're, they're just there's just so much on the line for both honestly. coaches. I just at the end of the day, I I think the Niners are better built to win a Super Bowl than the Chiefs are right now. Um, I mean, defense does win championships. Defense wins championships, and I think um, the Super Bowl is a bit of a different animal. I, I think you really saw that last year. Uh, last year I felt like was really the year of the offense, which resulted in a 13 to three Super Bowl. Like I, I just think the Super Bowl is a completely different animal, and things that you did in the regular season don't work in the Super Bowl. I, I, there's just something about it, something about that extra week of preparation. So uh, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers to win the Super Bowl. I got them winning 33 to 27. I do think it's a game that goes into halftime up like 20 to 10 or 23 to 10 Niners. And then Kansas City's going to come out slinging in the second half. But uh, a go-ahead drive, you know, maybe like San Francisco takes a punt deep into Kansas City territory, sets up a short field. They go up 33-27 with a few minutes left in there. Defense holds it down. Um, it's definitely not going to be any knock to Mahomes' career. I think he's going to come out and play great. Uh, but – I don't think he's going to come up in this one, but he's going to have many more chances. I got the Niners. I'm taking the more complete team. For sure. What do you have, Davis? I think uh, I actually have Chiefs winning this, but I think it'll be a lot closer than people may say. I think this game could also go either way. 49ers could come up on top. Um, I just think the Chiefs, their defense is a lot better. I think they're uh, not defense. Their offense is just a lot better than uh, the 49ers. And, People say defense wins championships. Well, I look at it a little different. I think, like, if you have a really good offense, it's really hard to stop a really good offense. And if you can have an okay defense, like, if you look at LSU this past year, their defense, they showed up at the begin or at the end of the season. But their offense was just outstanding. And I think that's why the Chiefs will be able to pull it out in a 34 to 31 lead. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely think at the end of the day, a matchup like this comes down to the quarterbacks. Uh, I, I just – I don't know. In this situation, uh, in the bright lights, do I trust Jimmy Garoppolo to lead me a game-winning drive if it comes down to it? No, well, not. Jimmy Garoppolo is basically Tom Brady, and I trust Tom Brady. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not taking that. Uh, no. Uh, I mean, he has – he definitely has some similarities in the way he's played the game. Him. Yeah, but um, – I just I would trust Patrick Mahomes to get the job done nine yeah. times out of ten. Um, it's definitely going to be a hard fought scratch and claw game. I think it's going to be a bit more high scoring than a lot of people are thinking. You know the Niners. Uh, I, I feel like um, many people are thinking if the Niners do lose, it's going to be more of a Kansas City kind of pulls away. Um, I, I just don't agree with that. I think 49ers can put up some points. We saw it earlier in the season with uh, what I thought was the best game of the year. 
um, with the Saints and the Niners. Um, so I'm going to take uh, – me and Davis actually have just been right online yeah. uh, the entire time. I don't under, We didn't check anything. But um, I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs 34-31. to And, uh, you know, that old saying, defense wins championships, history's changed with this game. Chiefs come out on top. And I'm officially siding with the Chiefs kingdom as we push for Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, Tyree Kill, and that Andy Reid to get their rings this season. So I'm just really hoping Demarcus Robinson Gator gets yeah. that ring. Yeah. I hope he scores a touchdown, honestly. That's so, sweet. Marcel Harris is on the Niners, though. That is true. That so, is true. yeah, no, Gators win either way. But. I'm taking uh, <laughs> my, my rooting interest really just stems from Jimmy G, the former Patriot. I'd like to see him get one. So yeah. let's go Niners. All right. Well, thank you, Davis, for coming. We appreciate it. We have uh, just going to wrap it up here. It was a pretty good uh, Super Bowl show as we touch, get the icing on the cake. So uh, thank you guys for joining in with us. It's been a fun season. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been, been a fun season. To have. Uh, uh, yeah. So um, we will get back with you for NFL talk when the offseason hits. So, and enjoy the Super Bowl. Have a good one.